Mark, who are we speaking on behalf of? Ourselves. The hostile work environment with Mark and Dennis. Not our employers. Nope, never. Do we ever dispense legal advice? Nope. No, we dispense stupidity. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, inappropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. Shut up. The Human Resources Director, Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello. Hello, Mark. How are you? Hi. I'm well. How are you? Hi. You pointed at me like I was supposed to start, but you almost always start. So it was. Oh, a, that's it, right. It was I'm, really, I'm looking at you like, come on, say it was, something. It was like a really awkward moment. That's what happens when we haven't done this for like, what, a week? A week. Yeah. We, yeah. With our weekly podcast, when we haven't done it for a week, it's yeah, completely get out completely, of practice. Yeah. Well, the last time we did it was that live show. It was a completely different setup. And we took the week off before that. Right. That's true. So which I don't know if you're aware of this. Do you know what that means? This is episode 51. 51, and we took a week off. Well, that means we're about to our year anniversary. Exactly. I believe our first episodes came out around November 8th. Wow. So this should come out on Monday, which is what, November 5th? Yeah. So we'll call we're this our one on year it. anniversary episode, probably. Woohoo! Yay. Episode 52 yeah. will be another live episode. Correct. Assuming we don't screw that one all up. Yeah, which 50-50 on that. But we're, we'll be in Seattle on Thursday. At the Enterprise Risk Forum Conference. Yes, and we'll be doing a presentation there that we'll also record for the podcast. It'll be a bit of a different format. Yeah. We're still figuring out what that means exactly. Yeah, but you know, we promised them we'd talk about the five biggest employment law risks to be avoided. Right. So we came up with some very specific topics like wage and hour. Yeah. Labor. <laughs> Labor. So hostile work environment. Yes. Or sexual so, harassment. Yeah. yeah. So between now and we gave ourselves a lot of room. Yeah. So we have six days in which to figure out how to like fill that. Yes. But, you know, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We always we'll, do. We'll make it up. We will have the same level of deeply researched and prepared material that we do for every podcast. Right. What, yeah, we'll see. So speaking of, I hear that you've got an interesting topic for us to discuss and something timely, which it we is. don't always manage. It is. So have you been paying a lot of attention to the news this week or have you been like super busy? I've paid very little attention to anything. So if I told you that there was a global protest happening this week. A global protest. Yes. So there was protests that started yesterday. Yeah. In Singapore, Hyderabad, India, Berlin, Zurich, London, Chicago, Seattle, California. Whoa. Yeah. All related to the same thing. Hmm. No, no bells. Nobel Prize? No, <laughs> not no ringing bells. any bells. It is not ringing any bells. So I've had my head firmly up my backside for the last week. Okay, I've so, been really busy. So perhaps some of our listeners will know what I'm talking about. It'll be next week by the time they hear this. But uh, over the last uh, 24 to 48 hours, there have been walkouts at yeah. pretty much two thirds of Google's locations. Oh wow, really? Yes, Google. Google. Why? Why? Because they want to use Internet Explorer. 
<laughs> no, I think they're pretty pretty in on Firefox there. Oh, 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 yeah. They're a Firefox kind of crew. <laughs> right. Open source. Open source, yeah. So, no, um, they are protesting the company's sexual harassment um, procedures and handling of a whole host of cases that have come out in the news over the last month or so. Yeah, I do remember seeing some of those. So the backlash. So people are walking away from work. People are walking away from work. They're that pissed off. Whoa. We don't All around the world. We don't often see that. No. And it's interesting, and we'll get there later, but it's I want to talk about a couple of counterpoints here. We're going to focus on Google for this conversation, but then there was some also, there's another interesting news story that came out that I want to put in the perspective of Google because it's... I thought that these two things, they're not directly related, but I yeah. think that they do relate to each other. So cool. um, the backlash with, with Google happened uh, last week. I think they revealed that they had paid millions of dollars, and a New York Times article revealed this, that Google yeah. had paid millions of dollars in exit packages to male executives accused of misconduct while staying silent about what they did. Oh, so we don't know what they did. We just know they're gone and they got a lot of money. And they were accused of doing bad things. Oh, so we know that much. But we don't right. know what bad thing it is. Right. Well, or at least this reporting doesn't get they, into it. They, they may, may have know, stolen like sticky notes from the office supply no, closet. No, more like the sexual harassment kind of misconduct. Oh, okay. Right. And that set off a pretty significant backlash within Google to the extent yeah. that um, – after the Times article was published, uh, the company then revealed that it had fired 48 people for sexual harassment over the last two years and that none of those had received an exit package. Hmm. So we have two kind of competing – they're saying, no, it's not so bad as what you think. Yeah. But there's still enough noise there and I think probably rightfully so that having seen that they paid millions out to others, other executives who are accused of misconduct, yeah. that – all these people who work and really hard for Google are seeing their money go to pay not the people who were victims. Though there's probably some of that in terms of settlement dollars being right. put and out there as maybe well. Maybe confidential and we right. may not hear about. But it. also giving, you know, really nice packages to executives who did bad things and they want to quietly have them go away. Aha. So Which is kind of hard to have happen when you're in well. You're instigating people to walk out and protest. Right. So, you know, employees are are discontented. I'm tracking here with the New York Times article that came out this week. You know, many have said that Google treats female workers inequitably over time. Others are outraged that Google paid Andy Rubin, who is the creator of the Android mobile software, a $90 million exit package even after the company concluded that a harassment claim against him was credible. Whoa, $90 million? U.S. Yes, not pesos. Wow. You can fire me today for $90 million. If I had that authority and that kind of money, I, I, I'd, I'd split be, it with I, you 50-50. Oh, then even more. I'd wow. be right there with you. That yeah. is a some serious golden parachute right there. Right. So yesterday uh, at each Google location, uh, walkouts began at 11 a.m. local time. Interesting. And it spread across the entire world. Various, con you know, as it says, spread across continents. Yeah. Uh, many employees, both men and women, 
posted photos on social media to chronicle their experiences. The images showed dozens of people gathered in different locations, chanting slogans and displaying signs. One said, uh, "One read, Why, what do I do at Google? I work hard every day so the company can afford $90 million payouts to execs who sexually harass my coworkers. That sounds like a great mission statement. Sounds like right a great there. mission statement. So interestingly, yesterday, the Times also published, I believe it's the Times. Uh, this is in the cut. I'm not sure what this is. Um, but uh, I guess it's the cut.com is where I found this. Um, they have uh, effectively an op-ed by the organizers of the walkout. Oh. In which they state their demands. And I thought I'd walk through them with you briefly. They have demands. Yes. Wow. Are they holding hostages? I mean, I think the walkout itself is the hostage holding. Okay. Right? I mean, the company can't be nearly as productive when significant percentages potentially of its workforce are walking out in the middle of the day. They'll just make them work later at night. You know how Google is. <laughs> right. You know, They'll they, be evil. They have a fridge of snacks. They have ping pong tables. And right. people are expected to basically live there. So I thought I'd go through these and we can just talk no, about them briefly. So um, I'm just going to go in order here. A commitment to end pay and opportunity inequality. For example, making sure there are women of color at all levels of the organization and accountability for not meeting this commitment. This must be accompanied by transparent data on gender, race, and ethnicity and compensation gap, uh, both across level and years of industry experience accessible to all Google employees and contractors. It goes on, but wow, that's a. I mean, I that's is, bold. It's bold. Is it unreasonable? No. Would it be reasonable if there weren't really any other issues that they had in terms of highly publicized um, executives who are engaging in bad behavior and making you know being. You know, receiving big payouts because of it, or is that something that all employers should be doing and putting out and making available to their employees? I think it's a question of. Sh I think there's a couple questions there. One, is there any law against you doing that? No, I think you can do that. I think so. Are there legal reasons why you might not want to do so? Totally, totally right. And that is, if you've got a problem, do you really need to publicize the problem? Right. Or do well, you, you want to? Because you put the evidence of the discrimination or the disparate impact right out there in front of everybody. Right. It's, it's the equivalent of hang, hanging a sign on your own back that says, sue me. Right. And that said, there are points in time where companies have made choices along these lines where they will balance the litigation risk against all their other all their other non-litigation risks like reputational harm, workforce management, mm -hmm. and decide, you know what? We need to come clean. Right. And we might need to come clean. And if we do this, there will be at least some credit given by our workforce and maybe they'll be more productive and we can right. we can start the process of moving on. Yeah. By having actually done something about it. And we saw this recently with, in our own backyards, Nike, mm -hmm. where they released a whole bunch of information about female executive pay disparity. And we all looked at that and went, wow, good for you, Nike. You're going to get sued. And guess what? They got sued. Yep. Um, it took about a week. 
Yeah. Didn't take long. <laughs> so, but I'm sure Nike is not stupid. And I know they're lawyers. They're not stupid people either. I'm sure they looked at the risk, knew that this was a likely outcome and right. deemed it worth it. We know we're going to get sued. We're going to do the right thing anyway. Yes. Google may be at the point where they've decided or they will decide or they need to decide we're going to do the right thing anyway. All right. The second thing. They demand a publicly disclosed sexual harassment transparency report. Tell me more. Including the number of harassment claims at Google over time and by product area, the types of claims submitted, how many victims and accused have left Google, and any exit packages and their worth. This starts to get a little more dicey. Mm -hmm. I think that there is aggregate data that companies may lawfully, if they choose to, disclose. Like we have had at Google X number of internal sex harassment complaints in the last five years, something like that. I don't see a problem with that. I don't see a huge problem with that. Where I do see a problem is that they may have reached severance agreements with individuals involved that contain confidentiality confidentiality provisions. And, you know, there has been a lot of talk here nationwide, not just, you know, on our podcast, a lot of talk nationwide about ways to get rid of the confidentiality of sex harassment settlements. Right. Thinking that somehow that's just going to, you know, prevent employers from hiding their dirty laundry or sweeping stuff under the rug. The problem with that is, is that not only do employers have an interest in that at times, but so too do complainants. Right. Because they might not want to be branded within their particular industry as having raised a sex harassment complaint with their prior employer. They might be afraid that subsequent employers look at that and maybe view them as a troublemaker and not worth the risk of hiring them. Yeah. So I Google also, may run into a, right. I also a bit want, of a problem. I wonder if, if publicizing that information in addition to the confi- right, the confidentiality is something that the employer wants. And if you don't give that to them, are they just more likely to roll the dice and go to trial? Because the information is going to come out either way then. Well, that could also be. Right. And so does that actually discourage companies from, from resolving complaints with I think it could. Yeah. I'm, so, you know, I'm you know, you and your all of our listeners kind of know where we all stand on the big issues of the day. This is one where I sort of buck the current trend towards transparency. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that making settlements that much more transparent is going to provide sure. that much value. I'm not sure it gets you what it wants. It gets us any. I, I, I you know, I tend to agree could be convinced otherwise. Same and I'd here. be curious. I, th- this if, is not where I'm going to plant my flag. I'd be curious if we see more of a move towards transparency, how that goes. I've I've just noticed that every now and then supposed cures for our employment law ills come from people who have not spent time on the employer's side of the fence and thus have a hard time imagining what incentives and disincentives you're going to put in place for employers. You and I who spend time on that fence but are, you know, anti-harassment type people are in a little bit of a privileged position to see both sides here. That's true. That's true. All right. Third thing. Oh, God. I just hurt myself patting myself on the back. Um, Yeah. You look look really injured. Yeah. Please continue. (laughs) Um, 
the third demand, a clear, uniform, globally inclusive process for reporting sexual misconduct safely and anonymously. And here's the next hmm. step, which I think is – I think a next, their next comment about it I think is very interesting. The process today is not working in no small part because HR's performance is assessed by senior management and directors, forcing them to put management's interests ahead of the employees reporting harassment and discrimination. Aha. Uh-huh. It goes on. We've heard that one before. You know, I don't go to HR because they're in bed literally or figuratively with management (laughs) and they're there simply for the protection of management. Right. And it it gets to a conundrum, which right to an extent, that's right. Yeah. Right. I mean, HR can say they're as independent as as they want to be or it can be. But in the end, they still report up to a common. True. Right. A, but there's uh, also a lot of HR people that are really bucking that trend. Remember when mm-hmm. we had a guest on talking about HR Uprise, a movement yep. of HR professionals that are really kind of tired of having to carry the water for management and really right. like to be better advocates for employees. But how do they do that when management still pays their checks and still has oversight? Right. And how do you create a truly independent HR? Yeah, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. It's one to work towards. Don't get me absolutely. wrong. I think it can be done, but I think what you need to do is you need to have upper level leadership who has trust and faith in an HR executive and their team to really abdicate that role and allow them to be employee advocates. And the interesting thing is an otherwise progressive company like Google might be in the position to take that leap of faith. Yeah. So... We'll see. What I found interesting, though, is that they they seem to want a single process across all of these national borders. And that's where the laws of different jurisdictions may require different things in different times and places. So while I think it's a nice goal to have something that's transparent that everybody can understand no matter where you are, um, you may need to have some legal variation in that or some regional variation to account for regional variation in law. Agreed. An end to forced arbitration in cases of harassment and discrimination for all current and future employees, along with the right for every Google worker to bring a coworker, representative, or supporter of their choosing when meeting with HR, especially when filing a harassment claim. Wow. Wow, that touches on a lot of areas in one pretty short sentence. Yeah, and let's talk about arbitration first. Yeah. Is an end to arbitration agreements really going to change the the prevalence of sex harassment in the workplace? I don't think so. Me neither. I think that's another one where it's like, yeah, that sounds really good until you've been on the employer side of the fence and you know what motivates employers. Uh, You know? Yeah. No. Yeah, and, and does that get better or worse outcomes for those filing complaints? I don't know that it does. Right. I mean, we have both talked a bit about our our sense that arbitration is flawed, uh, that yeah. there's, there's obvious advantages to it. But in certain contexts, arbitration is flawed because, you, you know, the arbitrator wants to be viewed as neutral. So therefore, right. they tend to split the baby. They do. And they'll they'll usually find something, right, which the employer doesn't want, and they'll usually find something, but maybe not as much as 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 a plaintiff who has a deserving case 
deserves because that arbitrator wants the company to select them again. Yeah. Data research shows that plaintiffs are actually more likely to be successful in arbitration than in court. Right. But their awards, awards tend are to smaller. be smaller. Yes. So it's it's that baby splitting at work. Yeah. So, again, I'm not sure that's going to get you what you want. A lot of employers seem to think that, like, oh, if I have an arbitration agreement in place, they can't sue me in court, and that will keep me out of the news. Guess what? No. Plaintiff's lawyers who are smart will sue you in court anyway and then contest the validity of the arbitration clause. Right. What does that get them? All the publicity in the world because they just sued you in court. And more legal fees. Right. So that ain't going to help you. No. And I know there's there's attorneys listening to this who are big, big fans of arbitration. And there's lots of really good reasons to do it that way from the employer side. I just find this to be an interesting demand from an employee side. Yeah. Uh, it's just interesting. All right. What about the, <laughs> the, the uh, desire to have um, somebody with them when they file a complaint? I cannot say, oh, hell no, strenuously enough. You know what's going to happen? What's going to happen, Dennis? Okay. I could actually have a flavor of this that doesn't piss me off as much. But when you say, I can have anybody of my choosing ever that I want... What you're going to get is a whole bunch of people marching through the door with their lawyer in tow who is there not to resolve their sex harassment complaint, but to stir up trouble Mm -hmm. and bait the poor sucker who gets saddled with this into saying something that they will then use in litigation. Employers cannot ever agree to that and, and allow people like you and me to come in there and set them up. That's not cool. Right. I used to work for an employer who did have a policy that said, yeah, if you want to come to us and talk to us about something, you can bring a coworker, somebody else who works here. I think that's fine. In fact, I encourage it. I think that's a good idea. Is there a right to that under the National Labor Relations Act? Interesting. What you're referring to is often known as the Weingarten right. Right. And while this has flipped back and forth over the years. Yeah. What's the state of it today? The state of it today is that if you are a union represented employee, you may bring another employee or a union representative with you to a meeting that could potentially lead to your discipline. Aside from that, no. If you're not in a union environment. If you're not in a non-union environment. Or dealing with a non-union employee. Or it's a meeting that's not going to result in your discipline. In other words, you're coming to complain about your boss grabbing your butt. Then the wine garden right doesn't apply Doesn't apply. Okay. And they don't have to bring, allow you to bring anybody else into the meeting. All right. They have two more demands. Yeah. They'd like to promote the chief diversity officer to answer directly to the CEO, uh, implying to me that. The chief diversity officer does not currently report to the CEO. Which makes me wonder if he's properly titled. Titled as a chief, right? But Whatevs. Whatever. Um, That's a fine demand. I think that's fine. And in addition, appoint an employee representative to the board. Both the chief diversity officer and the employee representative should help allocate permanent resources for for the first of the four demands that I read uh, and other equity efforts ensure accountability to these demands and propose changes when equity goals are not met. Hmm. Employee rep on the board. I thought that was interesting. I think that's interesting. I think you can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that they tread 
a little close to, I don't think this crosses the line, but at least in the United States, you may not have something that operates akin to a labor union without that being certified by the National Labor Relations Board. It's um, it's actually unlawful. It's a unfair labor practice known as the employer domination of a labor representative. Well, this is starting to get into some labor areas. Totally I don't know. wonky. I don't we don't know need to go deep. About. Yeah. But, you know, like if you go to Europe, they have these things called labor councils where employees will have a table with management to make decisions around the course of the business. Um, European auto manufacturers, when they have come to the United States, have wanted to install those because they find them successful in Europe, only to find out that unless a labor union is involved and certified by the National Labor Relations Board, those then, things are frowned upon. Yeah. Interesting. Um, That's fascinating. Volkswagen tried to do something like that very so does recently. This get to that? Got, got smacked down. It's it, it doesn't seem to be quite that far. It depends on how much power you're right. giving this employee representative on the board. Well, if it's just one vote Are they on going the board. to be elected by the employees? Yeah. That suggests that there's some sort That's of organization yeah. on behalf of the employees and that you're now bringing this person to the table as their representative and conducting bargaining with them, which puts you really dangerously close to that domination of a labor representative that our laws frown upon. But is I'm totally fine in like Germany. Um, but it depends on how much that employee representative on the board, one, acts as a representative, and two, how much they're involved in negotiations. If they're just there to provide a viewpoint that the employer then takes into consideration but does not actually engage in negotiations or bargaining with, totally lawful. So it depends on how it's executed. Fascinating. I didn't even, I didn't even know about that one. Right, it's because you don't do traditional that. labor day That's in right. and day out. That's right. Okay. So – Interesting, right, around Google and how they are approaching a response to what I think is some some pretty significant problems that yeah, if, if paying, I was a Google employee, I'd be pretty pissed. When, when, if, if one of my partners gets fired and takes 90 million bucks with him, I'm pissed. Right. Like you, you're asking, who can I sexually harass so that I can get 90 million? Totally. I'm right. running through the halls grabbing butts left and right at that point. Right. So. We have this response from Google, right? And this ties in very much, I think, to yeah. Me Too. Google's responded? No, sorry. This 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 response to what oh, happened oh, to Google oh, oh. by their employees. Oh, okay. Sorry, didn't mean to So Google hasn't it. met or rejected the demands as of No, I haven't seen it. This just came out yesterday. Oh, okay. Um, those demands, I believe it just came out yesterday. Wow. So I don't think that there's anything specific in terms of a response to that. Uh, I do think that there are at least platitudes and other things by Google management saying, yes, we agree there are problems and we want to fix them. Sure. Right. But I don't think that there's anything that I've seen that's specific about it yet. Um, what I was getting at is that in view of Me Too, you know, the employees of Google seem to be taking that and really latching onto it and yeah. making it a central part of the identity of the workforce there to stamp out harassment and to really embrace the ideals of the Me Too movement. Indeed. But let me make a counterpoint to that. Not a counterpoint. I don't disagree with that. But there's there's an interesting poll that came out this week. Oh. And this was an NPR Ipsos poll that asked Americans, just generally, I don't know what the sample size was, 
uh, what they think of the Me Too movement. Yeah. 40% of Americans believe that the Me Too movement has gone too far. Really? Yes. Uh, the survey doesn't define huh. too far. Uh, <laughs> but NPR reports that respondents cited worries about a rush to judgment, unproven accusations that could destroy lives, and a bandwagon effect that could encourage people to overstate claims of sexual misconduct. Okay. So I don't really have a point here with it other than to say that I thought those two things happening in the same week where we see all of this activism around Me Too really electrifying Google and its workforce at the same right. time that we hear that 40% of the country thinks that Me Too is too much. Yeah. Is this just another culture war? Is this just another middle of the country against the coasts of the country? Well, that, it, that was my first reaction because when you said 40%, you know what else is at 40%? Support for the president. Bingo. I had the same thought. I'm envisioning a Venn diagram of two circles with 99% overlap. Those who think Trump is great and those right. who think Me Too has gone too far. And, and I would add a third concentric cir circle to that, which is people who thought that the Kavanaugh allegations went too far. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. So... So I just thought it was interesting that, like everything, it seems these days, there is no common ground. There's no middle ground. And either you're on one side of the issue or the other side of the issue right. here. And I just thought that was an interesting statistic to see the same week that you've got global protests about sexual harassment at, at a top tech company. You also have nearly half of the population here in this country, at least, saying, Oh, too much. That's BS. We don't. Yeah. We're not so into that. Wow. That is so, kind of crazy. Yeah. I just, I saw it. I was like, but the, but Google, like, but Google, but people, and it just, it, it with four or five days till the election, I, it just, I wonder how many people are voting on that issue or are they voting? It, yeah. Is there just because the overlap is exactly the same with people who support the president and people, right? Like, yeah, I'd be interested for our listeners to weigh in, like, what do you think? Uh, I'd yeah, love to get no, some comments on this. Uh, like, what do you think around, you know, activism around Me Too? I know we have uh, a fairly, I think, progressive listenership around, you know, as HR professionals who want to right, stand out harassment in your workplace. Right, because we've alienated everybody else. And we've probably alienated every, everybody else. They, so I they, have they got, stopped listening around episode 15. Yeah, I mean, I have gotten some feedbacks from folks who don't agree with everything we say but still enjoy listening. So I yeah. do – and we do appreciate that. Yeah. We want – we want your feedback. You idiot should keep listening. Right? Because part of what we like to do is is hash this stuff out in a respectful <laughs> and and open way. No, I just call and them idiots. We're, we're, we're done Okay, with one respect. of us wants to hash yeah, this out in a respectful and open way. Not me. Uh, and I'd just be, I'd be interested kidding, to hear. I'm kidding. We love you all. To hear everybody's comments. And by the time we get those, we'll have found out what happens in the election. And uh, who knows where we'll be by then. But I just thought – Leading up to, to the election with all the stuff in the news this week that these two stories did not fascinating totally stories. jive with me. And it's it's just it's an interesting time. Well, can I th throw out a parting shot that sort of I'm envisioning that starts to make these stories jive? Yeah. I'm curious about Google's demographic, workforce demographic. Right. My impression of Google is that it is a predominantly male workforce but a predominantly young workforce. And I wonder if what we're seeing here is a bit of a generational shift where a younger generation, even though it may be predominantly male, 
looks at a lot of this stuff with distaste and disdain and is going like, we need to stop this. I also wonder, uh, I was thinking around the age of the demographic, but also the education of the demographic. These are all a bunch of people with masters and PhDs. Right. So interestingly, the article I have that's reporting on this poll breaks it down by political affiliation, which breaks down as you would expect, and gender, which also breaks down less so than political affiliation, but also as you might expect. But it doesn't get down to age it doesn't get down to a uh, level of education, but I, see, bet, you I, would see, I bet you we'd to see correlation see there too. Down. And I, I bet we can find that. And if we find it, uh, we'll tweet about it or something. Yeah, totally. Cool. Cool. Thanks, Mark. That was fascinating. That was a, a really neat analysis. Good. Thanks for bringing that up. My pleasure. We'll be back with a, with a listener story. submitted story. Welcome back to the hostile work environment. Since, Mark, you did so much research and speaking just now, why don't I take the uh, fun workplace story of the day? Okay. Okay. That, that's a change. Yeah, we'll just completely confuse people. Yeah. So this is from an HR professional to remain anonymous. But the uh, title of the story is Sweet Thing. Oh, boy. It goes like this. Hi, guys. I have a pretty funny story that always gets laughs when I share with my HR peeps. I'd like to stay anonymous, but if you do use the story, could you email me and let me know so I can be sure to download the episode and hear you share the story? Mark, you can do that. I'm happy to do that. I'm a a little miffed that maybe you're not listening to all of our episodes. It suggests that your listenership is spotty. Right. And and that only gets like 80% love. But yeah, we but, do yeah. appreciate receiving at this the point, story. We would do um, anything for a story, which is a good story. So, on so, to the story. So, so I guess that, that all right. There's like a hundred percent appreciation. Yeah, Thank we you. we, we yeah. love you. The story. I'm a female plant HR manager in a twenty four seven manufacturing company. Most of the management team, including myself, work classic Monday Friday nine to five, but the plant runs constantly. One weekend morning, the cleaning lady, who was employed by a contract janitorial service, not my company, came to our weekend supervisor visibly upset. She found an envelope addressed to her that was shoved under the door to the janitor's closet. And when she opened it, she found what can only be characterized as a lovely, full-color dick pic in all its glory, along with a note. The picture was knees to navel, so there was no identifying the owner. The note said something like, Hey, sweet thing, here's a picture of my thing. And then asked for a revealing picture of her. You have a a really nice reading voice. I just want to let you know. Oh, thank you. The sender asked her to put her picture in a particular locker in the storage room for him to retrieve. I like this. There's sort Mm -hmm. of like an anonymous back and forth here. Yep. At least one way anonymous, it was creative. Needless to say, she was very flustered. The weekend supervisor took the picture and letter, placed it in a sealed envelope, and put it in the production manager's office. He then sent an email to me and the production manager letting us know what happened. Intrigue. When I arrived at my office on Monday, I began the investigation. 
I called my off-site director to advise him of the issue, and his first comment was whether or not I was going to arrange a lineup to identify the culprit. What a smart ass. We did not. <laughs> Great the, idea. The good news is that we have extensive video surveillance in the building. We were able to identify an employee passing by the janitor's closet, stooping down out of camera view, and then standing up again. We were pretty sure we had our guy, but just to be sure, we installed a temporary pinhole camera in the storage room, put a note saying, leave me alone in the designated locker, and waited for retrieval. Smart. Sure enough, the culprit returned to pick up what he had hoped was a reciprocal picture. We knew we had our guy. I called him into my office along with his supervisor and asked him if he knew why I wanted to speak with him. He pretended not to know anything until until I told him we had him on camera placing and picking up the notes. He then asked if he was fired. I told him he was. Fair enough. Good call. But that's not the funniest part of the story. Remember that the weekend supervisor placed the picture and note in the production manager's office and then sent us an email with an explanation? I I do remember that. You guessed it. The production manager found the envelope before he read the email. His initial thought was that the note was directed to him. (laughs) As we were discussing the investigation, he admitted to me that he was a bit confused at first and even called his wife saying, you're not going to believe this. We could not look at each other for days without busting out in laughter. All we had to do was pass each other in the hall and whisper, hey, sweet thing. And we would lose it again once more. Great story. Isn't that a good one? I like that. I love that one. Thank you so much. We know all of you have fantastic stories to tell. Mark, what do they need to do with them? They should email them to sweetthang at hwepodcast.com. Our new email. Our new email. Sweetthang. Stories. Is that thing with an I or an A? Both. We we registered both. Okay. Or if you actually want us to read them. Stories. Stories at hwepodcast.com. Exactly. HWEpodcast.com being our email or our website where you can see all sorts of cool stuff, show notes. (laughs) Not the dick pics that we always talk about in our stories, though. We we should have a section of of listener submitted dick pics. No. What? I think it's a brilliant idea. No. The the dick pic gallery. No. People could look at it on their work computer. Yeah, I'll get like 80 different emails from various email addresses that all trace back to Dennis. No, you won't. <laughs> no. Stories at <laughs> hwepodcast.com. Make sure the picture is at least in 1040 by 780 resolution. On that note, um, thank you for listening. Yes, thank you. Uh, hopefully our next episode will be a recording of our live episode recorded in Seattle this yeah. week. Uh, if not, if uh, not, it'll be something we're, else. We're recording another episode right now. So if not, we'll use that. Cool. Thanks, everybody. And thanks for listening. Bye. And just get some math, all right? She's not here. Don't jerk me around. I mean, where is she? She got married. What? She at the church. She get married to Oli Bohunk. Married? Married. Married? Yeah, married. Married? Married. Jesus.